perhaps the most dangerous member of the body, the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison and a world of unrighteousness. That is how James describes the tongue. He speaks and warns about the most influential members of society, for because of their influence over other people, they have a greater responsibility to be careful of being misguided by their own tongues. Now, of course, leaders is a biblical mandate. God has put in leaders from the time of Moses unto today. However, I want to submit to you that today we have a whole bunch of people who have entered positions of leadership. Yet when it comes to their tongue, they have forgotten the warnings of James. They have forgotten to take care of the immense weight and responsibility that God has entrusted to them. And by that, they poison others with the world of unrighteousness that is within their mouth because they do not submit and surrender their tongue to the father. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now, let me just pause here for a moment, because he just said something that should scare all of us. And by the way, whether you are in leadership or not, perhaps one day you will be a leader, but you will likewise be a leader, at least in some capacity, whether it's the leader of your household, whether it's the leader of a small Bible study, whether it's the leader at work, whoever you are and whatever leadership position you have, this is for you. Ultimately, when it comes to then those who teach the word, those whom James is speaking of specifically, now he says they will be judged with greater strictness. Now, when you think about that, like, wow, for me, there is nothing more dangerous in this world. No occupation, not being a fireman or a police officer or not that I do not respect those and the dangers associated with those occupations in this world. Ultimately, the one who is a teacher of God's word will stand before the living God and we will all be judged already. And that already is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. But how much more so when by default, when you come to him, he says, I will judge you with greater strictness. I will raise the standard to which I judge you by. Our only hope is the Messiah himself and the Holy Spirit he has sent, that we can trust that he is powerful enough, even more powerful than our very flesh, and that if we call on his name, that he could fill us. And despite our inadequacies and our faults and our 
issues our sins that he could work despite that and speak a word of life through this flesh that is dying. However, not all who teach surrender their desires for his and not all who teach live a sacrificial life and not all who teach trust with every word on the father. And because of this, the flesh starts creeping in and because of the influence that some leaders have had, they desire to start manipulating people for their own gain. In fact, that is what James says in the next verse. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now, you just think about this. You go to a horse, you give him some food, and after he gets a taste and you walk away from him, he's going to follow you anywhere that you go. And James is saying, so it can be even with people. That when there are people who trust you, whom you have some spiritual leadership over of some sort, or, or you have the ability to speak into their lives, spiritual things, then there is the ability for abuse. In fact, that is, I want to submit what happens oftentimes. If you have someone who is some sort of a spiritual leader or has spiritual influence, and they have this desire to have own gain, what they'll do is they'll start feeding things that aren't necessarily good, but that taste good. In other words, not something that's necessarily healthy, but will make you keep coming back. In fact, isn't that what has infiltrated many churches throughout the West? This idea of of giving congregants something that's easy and and it tastes good and and it's kind of like what we see on every corner of every street. And I'm not talking necessarily about the churches now. What about the fast food chains that we so love here in America? Whereas you could see the line as far as the eye can see because it's quick and it's easy. It's addictive. See, the content of the food is made in a way that doesn't take long. It's made in a way that has ingredients that are addictive. So you keep coming back. And so similarly, how many of the church services have been watered down as something that's that's makes you feel good because you're there. And I went to church today, but it's it's not too long, you know, because if it gets too long, I, I may not come back next week. God forbid I spend too much time with God. And then the message is watered down to, to tickle my ear to sound good. And it's not actually calling me to change. It's not actually calling me to repent of my sin. See, dear brothers and sisters, if, if you're going to a church and your pastor, your teacher, whatever, they're not saying stuff to you, a message that now and then is at least going to convict you of sin, righteousness and judgment. Then you need to ask, is the Holy Spirit the one teaching? Because you don't want a man teaching. Listen, you don't want the man out of his flesh teaching you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Now, 
that doesn't mean that you forsake people who've been gifted and called by God to teach. That is part of the model of God, part of the offices of God. We need that. God has chosen to do things that way. But the question is, is is that vessel surrender to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can be the teacher through the man? And if he's not, then you will not hear messages that will be convicting. Because the message will be created in order to get you to come back next week so that you tithe and so that the church can grow and and all these these reasons that men get in their minds instead of trusting in God for financial provision, growth and all these things. See, ultimately, brothers and sisters, I don't care if what I say offends you or convicts you or makes you feel I didn't like the way that made me felt. All I care about is whether what you hear on this channel and through this ministry is of the Holy Spirit. That's all I care about, because I know that if it is of the Holy Spirit, it will impact you in the same way that it impacted those who heard the words of my Messiah. They repented of their sin. They changed their life. They saw and perceived the love of God. And they wanted to follow him and all of the other things I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about whether you come back next week because I know that my Lord is my provider for this ministry. Right. I'm not worried about the numbers because I know that as long as I do what God has called me to do. And if that is reaching one person or 10 million, I don't care because I am only going to care about what happens when I stand before him. Because remember what we read. We read that teach not many of you should desire to be teachers because you'll be judged more strictly. So if I'm going to be judged, I'm, I don't want I don't caring about like what you think. I'm caring about what how he judges me first and foremostly. And and I care for the souls that he stewarded to me so that I may not stand condemned before him one day, because what does it mean if I have stadiums full of people, yet I brought none of them into the kingdom of God? And you say, well, uh, that sounds no, that's happening. That's happening. Just because you have a stadium full of people or a million views on a video, that doesn't mean anything in of itself for the kingdom of God. The question is, is, is the message of the Holy Spirit or of the flesh? That is what's going to mean whether someone is actually going to come to God because the Holy Spirit draws the person, not the man, not my words. No, I can bag you till I'm blue in the face. It's going to do nothing. It must be the Holy Spirit working in and through me and in you coming upon your heart and convicting you to change and empowering you to change. And so I have a call for every church in the West. Stop watering down if you're watering down. Stop creating a fast food chain instead of a church. Stop compromising the truth of God's word that pierces to the depths of the heart and speak the truth even when it's difficult. Tell your people what they don't may not want to hear, but what they need to hear. See, I'm here to tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Because if I gave you what you want to hear just so you can come back, you'll never hear what you need to hear. And I may just lead you to hell itself 
was proclaiming the name of Jesus because I didn't call you to repent. It's time for us to take the same stance that the apostles did, crying out, repent of your sins, turn from your wickedness, turn to the living God so you may be saved. None of this ask Jesus into your heart and you don't have, you can live the way you want. Where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the life of Christ? He said, if you're not worthy, you're not willing to pick up your cross. You're not worthy to follow me. He never tried to twist people's arms to come back next week. He didn't try to like to please them in any way so they can come back and tithe more to his ministry. No, he lived a life sacrificial. He did. couldn't care less about those. He only cared for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those whom he knew who have ears will hear and they will come in to the flock and those who who wouldn't listen to the hard words spoken. Well, he is not part of the flock of God. He has made his decision. He has made his decision to follow the the, the God of this world. And so if we're going to just preach the things of this world, well, we, we might as well join the other team because God has called us to preach a message from our God, the one true God, who is the God who is not of this world, but has a kingdom that is coming. And that kingdom is going to replace everything you see in this world. So it's not worth preaching for the things of this world, preaching for the prosperities of this world, preaching for the riches of this world, as we see in the prosperity gospel. Or, or preaching for the comforts of this world as we see sin uh, and turning from sin not preached. James continues in verse four regarding the power of the tongue. And he says, look at the ships also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is a forest set ablaze by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among its members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord, the Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or crave vines produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. He describes the tongue as a fire. See, that is what it is. You cannot remove that reality from it. So if your tongue is a fire, the question is, is what kind of a fire? Because if you remember in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit came upon men, it said tongues of fire rested upon them. Interesting. We see that there is the tongue that can have a fire that is demonic that is like poison and that is evil. That is pointing to the fact that, well, look, we all 
have a passion in our hearts. We all have things that will come out of our mouths, and it is going to be determined by what our heart is full of. And so if the heart is full of the things of the world, which is the default, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then that tongue is going to cause fires of the world spreading evil and poison. But if you have the tongues of fire, if you have the Holy Spirit, then he, if you give him authority to take control of your tongue, then he can speak the fire of God. That when you speak, it's not going to be boastful speech that is evil, but it is going to be glorifying speech that is good. Many people look at Acts chapter two and they think that it's all about the gift of speaking in tongues, right? That's where they spoke in tongues. That's what this chapter is known for. But I want to submit that it's not about a gift as much as a changed nature. Because when the Holy Spirit came upon these men, they were convicted of their sins and 3000 got baptized that day. Ultimately, I want to submit that you can say, well, I speak in tongues, but then you turn around and gossip about your sister. You can say, well, well, I've got the gift of discernment, but yet you can't even discern your own lies. Brown sisters, like if you don't have a changed nature, You can boast in all of those gifts and it would be nothing but boasting. And then you're back in the fire of the world instead of having the fire of God, which is not there to boast in a gift or to boast in what God has given you. But it's there to become humble. In fact, I want to submit to you that God is about to reveal to us what it means when we boast and what that is a symptom of listen to this. He says in verse 13, who is wise understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, hold up. This is huge, guys. He says, if you're wise, show your good works. Let your work speak for itself. But he says, if you have bitter jealousies, if you have selfish ambition, do not boast and be false to the truth. See, when you boast in yourself, that indicates that you have selfish ambition, that you have bitter jealousy. In fact, you can perhaps even think about people that you know and have met who when you're around them, they just speak about themselves and they boast in themselves continuously. They, they can barely let you get a word in because all they do is boast in themselves. Look, there's there's a fine line between speaking about what God is doing in your life and about saying what God is doing in your life for the sake of boasting in your life. You see that difference? We can tell a testimony, praise God, like to glorify him. But audit your heart for when you start sharing things about what God is doing here and there and God has used me here and God has used me there and God has used me there and God has used me there. And and it's, it's overflowing with how God has used you. But it's really because you're trying to prove to someone how you're better, that you're special, that there's There's a boasting and that is 
indicating the underlying selfish ambition, because what is selfish ambition? It is the ambition in one's own self instead of the ambition in God's kingdom. You know what it means to to be one who's after God's kingdom? It's what he just said is to show the works of God in you with meekness. With meekness, see, when you're meek, you have a quiet spirit. And yes, you can share of the things of God. But imagine this conversation. You have one on the one end of the table, a man who's just speaking of himself and himself and himself about this and that and this. And then you're on the other side of the table, you have a man and he's just listening. He's just quiet and he's meek and he has good works. And this other man, he, he's speaking so much about himself because he is intimidated by the works of the other man and he feels like he needs to compensate. And so all he does is talk. And the man of good works, he's sitting there and he's listening and he's listening and he's just quiet. And then at some point, he just nods and says, well, that's good, brother. Praise God. But see, it is illuminating the bitter jealousy of that other man, the insecurity of the other man because of his lack of works. See, brothers and sisters, let me say to you, I don't have a problem with testimonies. We have to. I just want to make sure you understand that. But I do have a problem with pride. I do have a problem with boasting because that is what reveals your bitter jealousies. That is what reveals your selfish ambitions more than anything else. And that's how in a conversation of getting to know someone in half an hour, you can pick this up very quickly. So when we talk about taming the tongue, tame your tongue in this matter. And I may I just speak to my extroverted brothers and sisters for a moment. I love you very much. God has gifted you with that gift of being an extrovert of of getting your energy right from being with people and speaking with people and all of this. If you're someone who, you know, you, you talk more than normal, right? More than other people do, especially you be careful of your tongue, be careful of timing it, because when the tongue starts running, it becomes more and more difficult. Rather slow down, exercise quietness, and anyone can exercise this and learn to listen and then speak. There's nothing wrong with being extroverted. There's nothing wrong with even speaking quite a bit if that's what God has gifted you in. And we should love our brothers and sisters who do that. We should love our brothers and sisters who are more quiet in their spirit in terms of how much they talk. But regardless, be careful of the tongue. All are susceptible, but the one who does not listen and who are, who isn't slow to speak is going to be in greater danger of that. Let your works be what speaks. And let your words say little. I want to read on in verse 15. This boasting is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Let's break some of these words down. He said that if there is jealousy and selfish ambition, which again, 
those are the roots of one who's boasting in himself. And then there's disorder. In other words, that man or that woman has no order in their life. They do not give God his rightful place in their life. They try and do things outside of God's authority and will. And they do not honor other people's authority or leaderships. They are filled with jealousy for everyone else and ambition for exalting themselves. The next thing it says is that they have every vile practice because they are not submitted to God and to others, as God has called us to submit to one another, then sin creeps in and they become a destination for every vile practice. But he says the wisdom from above is pure. That is, it is clean. He says it is peaceable. In other words, it's a peaceful person listening their works saying much gentle, open to reason. So they, they want to, they'll speak. They'll want to reason. They want to, to talk so that there's ironing, sharpened iron and edification. They're full of mercy on others, right? So they don't judge quickly. They have good fruits, good character. They're impartial. In other words, they don't treat people based on favoritism. They treat everyone with the same measure, and they are sincere. It's not just an outside show, as it would be with someone who boasts in themselves, but since their works speak for themselves, that is sincerity. And so I'd like to conclude with verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There is a harvest before you. And the question is, is what are you sowing? What kind of a seed? Is it the seed sown in peace or sown in discord? Is it a harvest that is therefore going to be coming forth of righteousness or a harvest of unrighteousness? And it is all going to be dependent on the tongue. What you speak, what you say is the measure by which we harvest. It is the tool of harvesting, of planting, of farming, right? Like a farmer has tools. Your tongue is your tool. So the moment you speak, think of it this way. Just seeds are going out everywhere as you speak, just seeds going out. And the question is, is what kind of a seed is being sent out by your tongue? And it's going to be dependent on what kind of kingdom your tongue is connected to. And that's going to determine what kind Our fruit is going to start growing all around you in your household, in your whether family, whether your workplace, whether your congregation, wherever you go, the seeds you sow with your tongue is going to be determined by where you're plugged in. So it's time for us to plug into the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to to really start relying on him every day, say, Lord, I submit every word to you. Lord, put a gate before my mouth that every word will be of you, nothing of my flesh, that there would be nothing that that I could say that would bring harm or confusion into your kingdom. But Lord, I submit that every word be of you. Lord, I Lord, I need you. Father, if you don't speak through me, Lord, then ultimately nothing matters, God. If if your Holy Spirit doesn't come, I'm gonna deceive people. Lord, if your Holy Spirit doesn't empower me, Lord. What will I do? Will I not stand before you judged? 
Holy Spirit, I am so reliant on you right now that if if you don't come, then I I am not able to do anything. So, Father, come, empower me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your words so that I can be someone who sows seeds of peace, leading to righteousness in others. Father, I need you so much, Holy Spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to submit that that should be each of our prayers. To submit ourselves to him, to surrender our desires, our earthly worries, our earthly selfish ambitions and better jealousies of others. Man, stop caring about what others think. Stop caring about building your own thing. Stop caring. Just start caring about his kingdom more than anything. And throw aside all things of this world that is passing away. By the way, just for those in ministry, whatever ministry you're building, and for those in work, whatever business you're building, all right, whatever you're busy building in this world, like it's going to pass away. We should recognize that every organization in this world is going to pass away and come to nothing. At the end of the day, all that's going to matter, it's not how many how many church members you had or or it's going to be what impact did you make on God's kingdom? And I'm not talking about numbers here. I'm talking about the truth because Yeshua didn't have numbers, right? He had a few disciples and those few disciples were deeply impacted by the truth and the spirit. And because of that, they became worshipers of spirit and truth. And they made disciples. And the reason that we have so many people around the world believing and being Christians is is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't one person who made the world their followers. No. It's Yeshua making many disciples who made many disciples who made many disciples and praise God for that model, because now we're not all dependent on one teacher, one person in in this world, in the flesh. We have one teacher, one person in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, Yeshua himself speaking in and through us, teaching us, guiding us helping us learn through others. That is how he intended it to be. And that should tell you something about how he works. He's not here to build you the biggest ministry in the world. He's here to use you through the Holy Spirit so that you can make a unique impact in this world for his kingdom's sake so that you can produce a harvest of righteousness. And so when we can get that through our brain and get away from the whole capitalist Western mindset of build it as big as possible. Now, I'm not I don't want against trying to make a big impact. But if that takes precedence over the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do, have we ever thought of asking him or what his will is like for me? It's like, God, you want to build this ministry? Lord, I don't even know if I want that. Like God, I mean, I I would love for your kingdom to be impacted in the greatest measures possible through my life. But Lord, I don't 
I don't want a big ministry. I want your will. And whatever your will is, I'll go and do. And so with that surrender, he can actually come and use me now. But if it's, well, God, I want a big ministry and oh God, I want a big church. And oh God, I want a big business. And oh God, I want a big. Who said God wants you to have a big whatever? God wants to use you in the ways he's called you. And sometimes not having it big. See, not bigger is not always better. Really, it's not. Some of the biggest ministries in the world are the most corrupted now. Not all big is bad, but a lot of big is bad. And big, when it's not what God has called, is the worst thing that can happen to anything. Can be the worst thing that happens to an organization. Can be the worst thing that happens to a ministry. So be careful. The the model of Messiah was having a few disciples and he had people following him and that grew and grew and grew as he was the Messiah. But ultimately, he distributed his body as multitudes of ministries to come and bring the gospel about. Let's keep that in mind. That means we as ministries, we have to work together. It means that it's not about me building something here at the cost of partnership with others. We have to work together as a body because we all need one another. And when we can work together, that's the best way to build God's kingdom. So, brothers and sisters, I pray that you would live a life of absolute surrender to your Messiah, that you would seek his will above your own, that you would surrender everything so that his will can be done. Thank you for joining me in this James series. Join us next week as we continue. Subscribe to this channel to stay up to date for videos just like this one. And I want to say a special thank you to all of our partners who've made this teaching and every other teaching in this series possible. Thank you, guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Many, many blessings to you and Shalom.